0: Can I lose my salvation? Where was God during the Holocaust? What is my purpose? Okay, so uh, we're in the middle of a series, it's called You Asked, which simply means you had the chance to design and decide what we were going to talk about for uh, the next four or five weeks together. So uh, in the midst of that, the question that we're going to tackle today because you asked is, hey, what do I do if somebody in authority in my life, someone who's the boss of me, someone who's the parent of me, someone who's in charge of me, asks me to do something that is just obviously wrong? What do you do in a moment like that? Now, my best guess is the reason we asked this question is, is because of a sermon uh, we had several weeks ago in which we talked about this principle. We, we said, look, God always works through our lives through authority. And, and if you were here, you remember we, uh, we used kind of an umbrella as an illustration, and we said, look, here's the deal. God places authority over us and then God always uses that authority in our lives to take us where He wants to take us, make us the way He wants to make us, to do in us what He wants to do. God always works uh, through our authority. Even, even my, when my authority is not qualified, even when my authority makes mistakes, God uses authority in my life. Matter of fact, if, if you're here and you're still struggling with that, you want to read Romans chapter 13. I, it's, it's just crystal clear. God says, Look, I use authority, I work through authority. In your life, even, you ready? Even lousy authority in your life. Now, let's just be honest. If you and I were to pause a moment and think back at the things which brought us the greatest regret, the moments that you and I would look back and go, boy, I, I, if I could have a do-over, that's the moment in my life I'd like a do-over. Isn't it true that almost, almost every one of those moments came in a moment when I stepped out from under God-given authority? See, see, isn't it true that that in that moment you and I said, look, I know what the Bible says. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, but God doesn't understand, and Scripture is a little irrelevant, and it was written 2,000 years ago, and it didn't understand what was going on with me and my boyfriend, and, and so, you know, my parents said, look, don't, 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 whatever, don't do that. Don't do that. And I was 16, and I was smarter than my parents, and I said, look, isn't it true that some of the deepest regrets, some of the our moments in which I just thought my authority was wrong. I thought my authority was mistaken, and I just stepped out from under God placed, God given authority. But that brings us then today to an interesting question: the question you asked, which is simply this: What do I do in the moment when my authority, God given authority? What do I do when my authority asks me to do something that's clearly against God? It's clearly wrong because in that moment. I'm going to know when. I mean in, in that moment, if I obey my authority, then I have to disobey God. I'd violate Scripture. But if I obey God, then I would be disobeying my authority. It's a great question. And the answer is going to come to us in a remarkable story in the book of Daniel. Because here's the deal. Daniel, and some of you know a little bit about his life, but Daniel is a guy who's going to navigate exactly this issue. Exactly this moment is what's going to happen in the life of Daniel. And here's the thing, and here's why this story is so powerful, and here's why you and I should be changed by this story today. Because I don't care. I don't… No matter how bad your authority is, your authority is not as bad as the authority that was in Daniel's life. No, no matter how inappropriate they are, you, know, you may go, look, I, I don't even know why that person's my supervisor. I mean, they, how in the world did they get that promotion? I, I don't know why God gave me them for parents, because I'm telling you, they are the worst parents ever. No, they're not. Just the second worst. No, but, and it, no matter how inappropriate, no matter how bad, you just need to know, your authority will not be more inappropriate or bad than Daniel's authority. And, and, and here's the deal. And, and, and no matter how much was at stake, no matter how big the odds were in the moment when you had to decide, the odds will never be bigger than what the odds were with Daniel. And no matter how much pressure you felt in that moment, and no, no, matter, no matter what you thought, your pressure will never be greater than the pressure Daniel has from his authority. And in this moment, he's going to do something completely unexpected, but in this moment, Something remarkable is going to happen. and you ready for this? Because in this incredibly uncomfortable, unfair, horrible moment that authority imposes upon his life, he does what you and I need to do when authority is unfair and horrible and asks us to do the wrong thing. So grab your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Daniel, and here's, if you don't know exactly where Daniel is, if you'll just simply go to the middle of your Bible, chances are you're going to find either the book of Psalms or the book of Proverbs, go to the right just a little bit, you're going to find this book of Daniel. Ezekiel, Daniel, you'll find this book. So while you're getting there, book of Daniel, let let me give you a little bit of background that sets up this story for us. Daniel's a captive. He's a slave in Babylon. Here's how that came about. Babylon at this time is the world's superpower they are richer than, stronger than, more powerful than any other country in the entire world. Israel had been free, but the problem was Israel was envious of Babylon, and they thought, boy, if we just had as much wealth as they have and as much power as they had, as much notoriety as they have. And so they began to want to be like the Babylonians. And in the process of wanting to be like the Babylonians, they began to reason to themselves and said, well, look, you know, the Babylonians worship all these false gods, all these idols, and maybe if that's working for them, maybe that would work for us. And Israel begins to get sucked into idol worship and the worship of false gods. And God just basically comes back and says, look, if you like their gods so much, if, if that's where we're going with this, then we'll just let them be in charge of you, and you can worship their gods all you want. And God allows Babylon to come down and invade Israel and carry Israel off captive. You like their gods? Then worship their gods. They can be the bosses of you. And so now Israel is in slavery. Now here's the thing. The Babylonians were absolutely ingenious at this. And here's what they would do in order to take the cultures that they had conquered and make sure that the people they had conquered would never again revolt again, that they'd always stay within the Babylonian empire. They would take the brightest and the best out of the lands that they conquered, the sons and the daughter of the people that they had just invaded, and they would elevate those sons and daughters to middle management in Babylon so that if the Israelites or anyone else ever rebelled against them, they'd be rebelling against their own sons and daughters. They, 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 they'd literally be fighting against their own children. Daniel is in, you ready? The middle management training session. Him and some of his friends have been taken off because they're the brightest and the best, or the sharpest of all of Israel, and now they're being Babylonianized. They're being taught how to be a great Babylonian, and they're going to do this for several years, and then they're going to put them in charge of their own people, as long as they're good Babylonians. And so, they're in that process of helping him get there. And, and the first thing that happens, and it, it really, at first, appearance just looks really innocuous. I mean, big deal. They just decide to introduce to Daniel and his friends Babylonian food. You're in Babylon. You eat Babylonian food. Problem. If you're a Jew, if you're a Jew, there are certain foods you're allowed to eat, and there are certain foods you're not allowed to eat. And the way that the Babylonians prepare their food, there's nothing. There's nothing that they're putting before these young men that they're allowed to eat. And so suddenly they find themselves in a no-win. If, if we eat the food that the Babylonians give, then we have violated God's law. But if we don't eat it, if we don't eat the food that these slave masters of ours, this authority that God has allowed in our lives, if we don't eat it, they'll kill us. Thanks a lot. Now, here's the interesting thing. In this moment, Daniel doesn't do what you and I would do. Because here's what what I would do. I'd complain. See, I'd be be in prayer. I'd go, dude. That's what you call God when you're mad at Him. Dude. Dude. How's this fair? I, I get it. I get it that our people are under discipline. I, I, but I've been the faithful one. I've been doing the right thing. I, how is this? How is it that the first step in, how is it that the first thing that happens here puts me in a no win? I obey the Babylonians. I disobey you. I disobey the Babylonians. I die. Dude, that'd be my answer. Watch what Daniel does. Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy for Daniel. But the official told Daniel, "I'm, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and your drink. Why should, I, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your own age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, here's the thing. Some of you that have been raised in church know the story. These young men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we're going to call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because the Babylonians are going to give them Babylonian names. Verse 12, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. Now, guys, this is, this is an interesting moment. Daniel sitting in a no-win, and, and, and his response is an interesting… It's not what I would be inclined… It's not what you would be inclined to do. It's the appeal process. And here, here's what he does. First you know? He doesn't rebuke. How easy in this moment for him to look and go, look, you stinking Babylonian. You're putting, you're putting lousy, cruddy, non-approved meat in front of me, and if, if, you, if you weren't such a heathen, you'd know better than to do this. See, and rebuke. Hey, guys, you get that in your life, in my life, you and I are going to have supervisors who don't know God, don't, don't understand it. They may even be Christian supervisors who aren't living for God. Okay. People who don't know God, can I just give a clue? People who don't know God live like people who don't know God. They're going to ask you and I to do things that are the things that people who don't know God are going to ask people to do. And they're going to behave in ways that people who don't understand Scripture and don't… It's just what they do. And then the last thing they need in that moment, the last thing you and I need to do is take on… You heathen! And beat them up with our Christianity. And you and I in that moment don't need to be surprised that people who don't know God, don't understand Scripture, they're going to live and behave and make decisions that don't look like they know God and understand Scripture. That's what's going to happen. Second thing Daniel does, he defines the goal. You, You get in the story what the Babylonians are trying to do is just make these guys healthy. They're, they're actually giving him the best portions of meat in the kingdom. They're, they're, they're saying, hey, we're going we're to fill you guys out. We're going to beef you guys up. We, we, this is just about making you guys healthy. There's, there's nothing wrong with the goal. The only problem is the method. The method that they're doing is something that Daniel can't be part of. He can't join the method. This is the guy who works at a car lot. And his boss comes to him and says, hey, we've got to sell more cars. So here's the deal. We've worked this whole plan out. Uh, we're going to show them false invoices, and, and, and we're, we're going to lie a little bit about what we paid, and we're going to make everybody think they're getting a better deal than they're really getting, and it's a little dishonest, but we're going to sell more cars. Nothing wrong with selling cars. But you and I can't lie. It's the method that's the problem. This is the sales guy who… the client's coming in from out of town, and the manager comes and says, look, uh, everybody knows about this client that he likes going to the gentleman's club, so guess who gets to take him this Friday night? And you and I at the moment God, I can't do that, I'm a Christian. And, 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 the, and the answer is, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with it. The goal is just to have the client buy the product. It's the method that's the problem. David's response. David simply comes back and says, hey, well, what, if, what, if, what if we put this to a test? So, no, no, here's, here's the deal. Let, 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 let everybody else on the sales force show the false invoices and lie. Just, you know, let, 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 let everybody else eat the king's meat. Let us eat vegetables. And then you see, you, you figured out, you, you see who ended up better. This is that salesman who says, let's just, let's just take the month of, the, of March and, and let everybody else sell the cars your way. I'll sell the cars telling the truth. Let's see who your best salesman is at the end of March. I, look, look I, I can't take him. I can't take him to the gentleman's club. I was thinking Denny's. And uh, let, let's just see if I get the deal. Let's just, let's just. I know. I know. Let's just see if I get the deal. Now guys, here, here's what we need to get in the moment of this test. As, as Daniel proposes this, Daniel is not a vegetarian. Daniel's not sitting here going, no, no, no. I just believe I've come up with a better dietary plan. That's not what's going on. That is not what's going on. Everybody needs a little red meat. Okay. Okay. I just wait. Don't send the emails. Don't do. it. But if you want to send beef jerky, (laughs) Daniel's faith is not in the vegetables, guys. Daniel's faith is that God will honor him for not violating authority and violating God's command. That's what Daniel believes with all his heart. The remarkable thing, the incredible thing in the story is what happens. So go back to your Bibles. Verse 18, at the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found, you ready for this? He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them to be ten times better than all the magicians all the enchanters in the whole kingdom. You, you get what just they just got promoted. They they just got favor with the very supervisors who were questioning them. It's a remarkable moment. And it's called the appeal. It's, it's the appeal. It's, it's simply saying to my leader, look, 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 I get that your goals are not bad. I get that, the, you know, what you're trying to, you're just trying to get us healthier. You're just trying to sell more cars. You just want the client to buy the product. I, I get it. Can I offer a test? Can I offer an alternative? And just see, you tell me if it works or not. It's the appeal process. Moms, dads, this may be one of those powerful lessons that you ever teach your children about authority in their lives. It's the ability to appeal. It's the ability to say to someone who's an authority over them, say, well, I, I, okay, okay. But could I propose? Could we? For example, you say to your child, hey, you know what? It's Saturday morning. Time to turn off the TV. We're gonna, you're going to go clean your room. And, and, and in that moment, your uh, child looks at you and says, uh, look, uh, I w- thought I was going to go over to Jeff's house and play for a while. No, you're not. You're going to go clean your room. And then your child appeals. Could I go over to Jeff's house this morning and clean my room this afternoon? And if you're any sort of a parent, your next question is, what's in it for me? What if your child said in that moment, what if in the midst of appeal, your child said, look, look, here's the deal, if you'll let me go play at Jeff's house this morning… I promise you that when I come home, you will not have to tell me to clean my room. And when I clean my room, I will clean it perfect the first time. I'm all over that. (laughs) You you realize what your kid just offered? You realize what your kid just appealed? They just offered to be self-directed and self-disciplined. They just offered to grow up a whole bunch. It's a great appeal. It's a great… And I'm just saying to you, one of the most powerful things you'll ever teach your children, one of the most powerful things you'll ever learn in your life is the ability to appeal to authority, to understand what they're wanting to get done and offer an alternative, a better way of getting there. But I get I Because someone, someone's going to go, okay, that's, that's really cool because the goal wasn't bad, just the method was… What, what, do you, what do you do when what you're being asked to do, I mean, the thing you're being asked to do, it, it's just wrong. It's the husband that comes to his wife and says, hey, we're going we're to try swapping. It's, it's the parent who says to their kid, hey, uh, while I'm over here distracting the store clerk, you stick a couple things under your shirt. What, what do you do when the very request itself is just wrong? The goal is wrong. The end result is wrong. It's a great question. As a matter of fact, Daniel again answers this question a little further on in the story. It's Daniel chapter 6, so flip over there with me. Daniel chapter 6. So let me me paint the moment. Some of you would be really familiar with this part of Daniel's story. Here's what happens. It's a new king uh, by this time. And uh, this king says, look, uh, I'm getting ready to maybe promote Daniel. Daniel's an older man by now. He's established himself, and he's, he's shown himself to be faithful. And, and here's what was going on in the kingdom. They had a bunch of what in Babylon they called satraps. You and I would call them mayors. And over the top of the mayors, they had administrators. We, we would call them governors. And there's three administrators, and Daniel is one of them. But Daniel is doing so much better than all the satraps and so much better than all of his peers as administrators that now uh, the king says, I, I think I'm going to make Daniel prime minister. So think about this. The slave… The slave is going to become prime minister in Babylon. And, and boy, the, the Babylonians are out of their minds. They're going, this, there is no way we're going to let this happen. And so they begin to hold secret little conference meetings. They go, look, we've got to find some way to trip up Daniel. We've got to find some way to get Daniel out of the favor of the king. And they think, and they think, and they, think, and they go, we'll, we'll never be able to do it. This guy does what's right every time he tells the truth. How are we ever going to do anything or catch him in anything? And then one of the guys says, you know what? If you're ever going to get Daniel, it's going to have to be something to do with his God. Someone says, you know what? Every single day that guy prays. What if, what if, what if? What if we talk the king into making a law that says, you must pray to the king for the next thirty days, you got to pray to you. Now, this is, wasn't that outrageous because in Babylon, they really believed that their kings were kind of on the training course to being gods. That what they were doing on Earth was preparing them to be gods in heaven later on, and so it wasn't that outrageous. And so they they, they go to the king and they say, "Look, look, what if you make a rule that for thirty days, thirty days, no one can pray unless they pray to you?" The king is flattered. The king goes, "Wow, what a that's kind of a cool idea." I, I think that'd be great. And then they go, you know what? Let's do just just let's make it after the law of the Medes and the Persians, which means once you sign it in the law, no matter who objects, no matter who doesn't like, you can't change it. It's law, and unchangeable by anybody, even including you, King. I think that's, good, that's a good rule. And so he writes the decree. And so the decree comes down, and now Daniel finds him in a place. And he goes. There's no appeal out of this. There's, I mean, what do you offer out of this? It's interesting because Scripture then tells us in that moment, when there is no way out, when he's stuck, what Daniel does next, it's it's chapter 6, verse 10. Here's what it says. And now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. <laughs> I just want to go, to Dan, Dan, wait, 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 wait. Close the shutters. Just, you know, go in your room. You can still, pray. just close the shutters. They don't have to see. You can still do the right thing. They won't know you did the right thing. Just close the shutters. And Daniel sees it differently. See, Daniel sees in the moment, he says, look, no, no, I, I've been put in, I've been put in a place where I've been told to do something. This is just wrong. And I'm not going to pretend my way out of it. I'm not going to hide my way out of it. I'm not going to fake my way out of it. And he leaves the shutters open. And three times a day, It's interesting because as you read the story, you figure out that the king who loved Daniel immediately realizes, oh, my goodness, I've, I, I just put my best friend in a horrible position. I mean, wow. And a matter of fact, Scripture says that all the way till evening, the king tries to figure out how do, how do I get Daniel out of this? I mean, but it's the law of the Medes and the Persians. Even I can't change the law again, but how do I do this? And finally, he realizes he he can't. He calls Daniel in front of him. He says, Daniel, I, I made this law. I, I wasn't thinking. I, I didn't even think about you in the moment. And I, anyone who doesn't pray and to me, and you didn't pray to me. You prayed to your God, and it has to go to the lion's den. Wouldn't you in that moment, don't you just want to look at your supervisor and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> for your own ego, I mean, for your… You didn't even think before you made this rule. You didn't even consider what you were doing, and now you've put me in jeopardy. And I've done nothing but be a great servant. I mean, if there was ever a moment you just want to lash out to the authority. You get what Daniel basically does and says in this moment is… Look, if, if you put me in that position, if you put me in the place where I've got to decide whether to obey a man or obey God, well, then I've got to choose God every time. See, I, the reality is His authority is greater than your authority. This isn't that hard for me. If, if you ask me to do something that's directly, clearly contradictory to what God is, I mean, this, this, it's actually simple. God wins man loses. But you ready for this? Daniel's answer is, I can't. I can't pray to you, king. I won't. I won't. But I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to pout. And honestly, king, you, you just need to do what you need to do next. Whatever that is, guys, this is a huge moment. Because if you and I ever find ourselves in this moment, when somebody in authority over us has asked us to do something that is completely against what God's word says and what we're supposed to do, our answer is to be Daniel's answer: to go look. This isn't hard for me. God said, and God is bigger, and God is, and, and I, I just choose to believe God. But here's the deal: I'm not going to yell at my parents. I'm not going to scream at my supervisor. I'm not going to curse out my husband. I'm, I'm simply going to do what I've done all the way till now. I'm going to honor God. And my answer is, I can't. I can't do what you've asked me to do. I won't do what you've asked me to do. And you can do whatever you need to do next. And if it means you won't be my friend anymore, then if it means you're going to demote me, it means you're going to fire me. If it means you're going to file divorce papers, I can't. I won't. And you can do whatever you think you need to do next. Hmm. Why would God do that? I mean, guys, come on. Unfair. This is unfair with a capital U. Why would God allow his child to be in this? I mean, Daniel up until now has done everything right. It, it's clearly, it's clearly, completely, why? Why would God allow it to get to this moment? Here's a couple of things for you to consider. God allows sometimes for authority to get completely unreasonable, completely out of balance in our lives, because He's, God's, ready? God is always working through authority, and so what you need to know and what Daniel trusted is God was doing something. Daniel didn't know what it was, but God was doing something. Sometimes, when authority is completely wrong and completely bad, sometimes God's just moving us, because here's what you get, a lot of the authority in our lives doesn't have to be our authority. In other words, it's… Scripture has to be our authorities all the time, but my boss at Intel doesn't have to be my boss at Intel. I can go work somewhere else. And sometimes what God is doing when He allows my authority to be grossly unfair in my life is He's just simply rustling my nest. He's getting ready to change me and move me to some other place. And if you're in the midst right now of going, boy, my, my supervisor is the worst Supervisor. It's possible, I'm not giving it's possible God's getting ready to move you. God may have a job transfer that you would have never been open to or considered, but can I tell you that in almost every single time that God has given me a new assignment, my supervisor has been unfair. My supervisor has been unreasonable. Sometimes God's moving you. Sometimes God is teaching you. Sometimes God is teaching you qualities and lessons and patience and trust and obedience to Scripture that you wouldn't have learned without being put to the test, without being put in this place that was grossly unfair and highly unreasonable. And God just says, okay, in this moment, where's your faith? And how will you live? And will you do the right thing when doing the right thing is the hardest thing to do? What will you do? And sometimes God is teaching us what he couldn't teach us if it was easy and if it was fair. And if it was okay. You want to hear the funnest one? Sometimes, sometimes God is putting you and me on display. Sometimes God is saying, I have a choice servant. I have an amazing follower. I have a son or a daughter of God. And you need to watch and see what my child is going to do next. Because what my child's going to do next is amazing. And it will surprise you, and it will stun you, which is exactly what he's doing in the life of Daniel. rest, rest of the story. They take Daniel to the lion's den. Are you ready for this? The king, the king goes there with him. What are the chances of that? And as they lower Daniel into the lion's den, here's what the king calls down to Daniel. He says, Daniel, maybe, Just maybe that God that you worship all the time, maybe he'll rescue you. Is that amazing? Is that an amazing comment from an absolutely heathen, idol-worshiping king of the superpower of the world is now calling out to a slave and saying to a slave, Daniel, maybe your God can do what my gods can't do. The Bible tells us that all night long, the king sits there just stewing. The king can't sleep. He won't eat. He won't take entertainment. He does all night. And at the first crack of dawn, at the first moment that the sun comes up, the king runs back to the lion's den. They roll the stone away. Are you ready for this? And the king calls down into the lion's den because back in those days, it was probably sealed over. and There's just a small hole at the top. And he calls down in the hole and he says, Daniel, Daniel, is there any chance that your God rescued you. And out of the quietness and out of the darkness comes the voice of Daniel. My God. My God has spared me. See, sometimes, guys, 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 sometimes God puts you and me in places of unbelievable unfairness, unbelievable wrongness, and asks us in that moment to simply say, Look, I I can't. I won't. But do whatever you think you've got to do next to put us on display, to stick us right out there in front and cause the whole world to watch what we do next in that moment. Look what happens. Look what happens because Daniel was willing. It's verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples and nations and men of every language throughout the land, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, in all of Babylon, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered through the reign of Darius and into the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Did Darius just become a Christian? Did the king of Babylon just become a godfather? I I don't know. I don't know. Woo! But if he's not, he's close. Why? Because a slave under unjust authority... Under under authority, they'd say, "I would have never chosen you. I would have never that asked him to do something that was completely wrong and left him absolutely no way out." That slave said, "I can't. I won't. Because right now, God trumps anything you're asking. So do whatever you think you need to do. If fire me, stop being my friend." Throw me in the lion's den. Because I don't know what God is doing. I just know he's doing something. Guys, this is huge for me. This is huge for you because here's what I'm going to promise. I promise you, every last one of us in this room will stand in front of the lion's den. Chances are in this world that we live in, the culture, that you and I are going to have a moment with authority that we just go... The person in charge is asking me to do something that's completely wrong. It, I, there is just no way I can do that and still do what God has asked me to do. And here's the answer I can't. I won't. And so, what happens next is that you tell me I don't have a job, you tell me I don't have a marriage anymore. You tell me that you won't be my friend. Okay. Okay. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we we simply come before you. And God, this is hard. Because not only on the one side have we been asked to trust that people who are in authority in our lives, people who maybe don't deserve the position. and We can't understand how they got there. Sometimes ask us to do things that we just are pretty sure aren't the smartest thing to do. And yet you've asked in that moment for us to obey. And then, and then comes the moment they ask us to do something that's just wrong. And you've asked, you've said in that moment, don't do the wrong thing, don't do that, but be willing to take the punishment. Be willing to take the spanking for saying no. And to somehow in our hearts believe that you're bigger than, stronger than, smarter than my supervisor, my parents, my husband. And that even in that moment, you are doing your plan. You're doing something great in me. God, I pray, make us Daniels. Help us in that moment when we stand at the mouth of the lion's den. And authority is asking us to do something that's completely wrong. That our answer would be, I can't. I won't. So do what you need to do. I choose God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.